went down to the river to watch the fish swim by. But I got to the river so lonesome I wanted to die all along. And then I jumped in the river, but the doggone river was dry. She's long gone, and now I'm lonesome blue. Hello, and welcome to Long Gone, the podcast. I'm Ryan Hetzer, and this is part of the Sim Sports Gaming. Uh, series Sim Sports Gaming episode five, uh, designed for the Out of the Park Baseball League, hosted at Sim Sports Gaming, and the latest in the series here, we're going to be looking at third baseman, top five in MLB, and also the top five prospects. I'm excited for this episode even more than than others because uh, I'm actually excited to take a step back a little bit and not. Uh, have to um, speak quite as much. You guys that listen to the podcast in the league are probably a little bit tired of hearing my voice. And so we're going to be joined today by Joe of the Cleveland uh, Spiders and Tom with the Yankees. We have two GMs who are going to be kicking around our third base conversation. And I'm definitely excited to have that little bit of a a different uh, look at the positional podcast. So Joe, and Tom, how are you guys doing? Welcome. Doing great. Welcome. Uh, I'm doing great as well. I'm glad to be part of this. Awesome. Um, I know that you guys are both Yankee fans in real life, so I thought, I don't know, um, I might have to jump in if it gets to be too uh, too, too uh, heated, but I thought I'd give you guys a minute or two uh if you want to commiserate it all on the state of the real life Yankees, any, uh, I guess they just signed LeMahieu, right? What are the, what else is in store this off season? Yeah. Take it away, Joe. I'll bounce off you. Um, <laughs> so we just signed DJ. We brought him back. We also, um, apparently Cashman the last couple of years likes to do these, uh, high risk, you know, high reward type of signings and sign Corey Kluber and James, uh, Tyone. I think that's how you say his name. Yeah. Tyone. Yeah. They traded um, for him. Tyone, yeah. Yep. And he's um, big, uh, close friends with uh, Garrett Cole, which is, I think, huge because my understanding was Cole took a big liking to uh, Tanaka, who just signed back with uh, his team in Japan. So getting someone on his team, um, um, a friend on the Yankees really helped him out. You know, it's funny. I think Tom and I have gone back and forth in our, uh, in our channel talking about the Yankees, and you never thought as a Yankee fan, 35 years as a Yankee fan, I'd have to hear the word, we're worrying about our budget. We don't want to go over the tax. we got to watch how we spend. And kind of really drove me crazy that when free agency hit, that we just don't back up the brick truck and pay whatever uh, DJ LeMahieu wanted. But in the end, they gave him six years, but the contract actually worked in favor of uh, Cashman and the Yankees. So yeah. I was kind of happy with that. I mean, how did you feel about that, Tom? I mean, basically the same thing. I mean, you know, DJ, I I, I echo that sentiment about being a longtime Yankee fan. I mean, since I couldn't remember, uh, you know, I've been rooting for this team. And and not not until very recently do I start to see the word Yankee and then the word budget cuts and, and, you know, trying to cut spending and all that stuff. So I got to get used to it. You know, it's 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 
I think it's uh, it's going to be the new norm, unfortunately, unless Hal Steinbrenner decides, hey, I'm tired of, of you know, skimping around the luxury tax and, and I just want to go for it. So I'm hoping he kind of, you know, gets his mind right in that respect. Cashman, I commend him because he's he's doing everything with what, you know, what he's given. I think, you know, he's only he's only allowed to go a certain amount over, you know, the threshold and you can't really feel the team like the Yankees can feel with just two, what is it? $220 million. Um, yeah. you know, a lot of those guys, a lot of those guys are good. Corey Kluber. I like the Kluber signing. The upside is great, but it could be one of those signings that just blows up in your face. And it, you know, at the end of the day, it's just a one year deal. So who cares? The LeMahieu signing, I love 15 million straight for six years is, is great. You have it as a controlled cost. It's a low cost. It's a guy that's, probably going to move over to first base once Luke White goes. Um, Tyon, I think you got him for dirt cheap. Again, he's one of those guys that's a high-risk, high-reward deal, like you said. Um, but I think if he's on, I think he could be a number two starter right behind Cole unless they get another guy to, to fill that role. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's looking good. But, yeah, you, you know, there's some cause for concern with respect to their inability to, to, to spend. And it, it's kind of funny how – as Yankee fans, we sit here and we discuss back and forth about the budget. But, for example, Adam Adovita was traded to the Red Sox. Right. Now, as a diehard Yankee fan, I'm sitting here saying, great, he stunk last year. I don't want him on the team. He's terrible. But then you read the reports, well, they traded him for to free up $8 million. And so they gave him a prospect too, to, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of like, as a Yankee fan, we're, we're happy to see him go because he's stunk, but the Yankees are just making a move to free up money, which is like we talked about you never heard of. I'm a big fan of the Darren O'Day signing. Um, I've always felt he's been a reliever. He's been in Baltimore, um, a couple other teams, but I've always felt that his weird delivery kind of throws batters off, and he's come in the big spot. I think he'll do a nice job in the bullpen to replace um, uh, Kenley and um, – Adovito as well. Um, another guy that I think they deserve to give a shot is Clint Frazier. I mean, Cashman pulled off one of the greatest trades a couple years ago by trading half the team over to Cleveland and then got back him in the deal. And I think it's a great opportunity to let him play. There's been rumors that they want to bring back Brett Garner, but I'm tired of seeing his act personally. And I think it's time to let him go and kind of let these young guys go in. And um, I don't know if you uh, heard about this, Tom, but now they're talking about contract extension with Aaron Judge. I'll give my take on it, but how do you feel about that? You know what? I at the at yeah, it's tough because if you can get a deal that's hey, you got it. You know, we're you're you're our you're our top guy. We want you to take a hometown hometown discount. Would you be willing to do it? That's all on Judge. You know, the fact that we even, you know, we have a section in the stadium devoted to him. He seems like he's the next Derek Jeter in terms of the face of the franchise, the next quote unquote captain, even though you don't name him. But I think they should be wary of it. It's not to say that they can't do it, because, again, Hal Steinbrenner's worth five billion dollars. At the end of the day, they have the ability to do it. It's just if they want to and they want to, you know, feel the repercussions at the end of the day. So I think they're ultimately going to come to some resolution. It might not be as good uh, uh, as the DJ LeMahieu deal. I think they're going to have to end up paying a lot, but it's going to be for short term because they know that Judge, while he's big and while he's great, 
his prime, he's in the middle of his prime right now, and 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 that's going to end very soon. So I think by the time he's in his mid thirties, he's going to drop off very, you know, he's going to drop off a lot. So if you can get him through that age, then I think we'll be fine. But it depends. It it, it begs to see how how much they're going to be willing to spend on him for sure. What about you? Um, uh, he's got to stay healthy. I yeah. mean, it's just every every day, and MLB Network did a great. Um, discussion on this and and talked about how much these guys are in the gym now and how much muscle they're adding and now these injuries are at an all-time high because they're just the muscle mass that some of these guys have because they want to have the power to hit the long ball is causing these guys to be injured for an extended period of time and i think that if we're gonna as a organization um again i can't believe we're having this conversation usually just spend the money get who you want but if we're going to invest in a guy like Aaron Judge, I, I'd like to see him on the field on a regular basis. I mean, I, I you know I don't want to give him twenty five to thirty million dollars a year and have him be out for 60, 70 games a year while we're struggling every day to just you know try to produce wins and produce some runs as well. And that's the thing too. If you can, if you can, you know, I, I'm. I, I, you know, I, I've said this before in the chat. I'm looking to to become, you know, to get into that business of, of, of contract negotiations and all that stuff. So, so for me, it's a matter of, hey, can you frame it to this guy say in a way that says, hey, we want you to be on this team for the rest of your career, but we understand that you are, you know, in the past there have been years where, despite your production, you've been injured, and and that isn't a reason for us that 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 alone is a reason for us to not you know not give you the expected market value i'm obviously you're not saying this to his face but you're kind of planning this as a front office and i think they have to they have to have a limit and i think that's one of the things that cashman does well is that he has a limit and he's not going to pay an arm and a leg for trevor power and at the end of the day no one needs to pay an arm and a leg for trevor power he's only had a few good years at best and if they're paying $40 million a year for him, that's a little bit of a stretch. So I think Cashman, you know, Cashman has his limits. And the good thing about Cashman is he, you know, he does those those little those little moves. Like we said, like, you know, Talkman and 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 that, that the, the 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 Giancarlo Stanton deal. So you never know. But um, but yeah, I think they gotta, you know, they gotta really get this judge thing right because it could blow up in their face for sure. And, and talking about little moves, and Ryan, this goes your way. Hopefully, maybe I'll just turn the tables for a second. Sure. How come the Cardinals gave up Luke Voigt for nothing. Oh man. Yeah, I mean I think well they did get Giovanni Gallegos, who is uh was a really nice reliever the past couple of years. But um yeah, I think he was I'm not you know, I'm trying to remember the timeline. I I wanna say did he go after they had I think that I, I'm trying to remember if he went after or before that they, they made the trade for Goldschmidt, uh, I guess it was. I think it was, it was after. I think it was like, uh, we got him like two years ago. So I'm pretty yeah. sure it was after they had Goldschmidt. So that was yep. obviously a big factor in that you know, when they saw Goldschmidt as their first baseman of of the future and Voight uh, was blocked. Um, and then, um, but at the same time, I mean, I don't think, I think there's been criticism on the Cardinal front office in the sense that, I don't think they projected him to to be and to do what he's done in New York. You know, I, I think had they projected him for that or thought that he had the ability to to be that kind of uh, impact bat, that they wouldn't have moved him so easily. And and so there, I think you know, there's definitely uh, some questions in, in St. Louis about kind of the player evaluation 
not just on Voight, but there's been a couple other examples. But yeah, I think it was a Goldschmidt thing. Um, and then, yeah, I do think, to be completely fair, Gallegos has been really one of their best relievers the past couple of years, and he came over in that deal. But, um, well, I don't know. Maybe we'll <laughs> we'll move ahead from there, given that. I know we could probably go on all day on real-life yeah, uh, no, baseball. Sure. But, uh, no, just from a uh, NL Central fan standpoint, Tyone of the Pirates, and with the Cardinal fan that I am, we see the Pirates – 18 or 19, however many times it is per year. Uh, yeah, he's, he's tough. Uh, it be a matter of can, can he pitch well in New York? There's always that factor, I think, that is a, is a – until it's answered as a question. And Now, you mentioned face of the franchise, though, with Judge. I'll, I'll just say one other thing um, and, of course, give you guys a chance to respond if you'd like, but that, that Dominguez sure looks like he could be this, that same kind of thing in a couple few yeah. years here. <laughs> Well, that, that's that's the interesting part about that is we have we have some talent down in the minor league system. So if it came down to us making a decision, we have the ability to um, to really you know move on from Judge and, and get him up here. And I think we've done a great job minor league wise. They might not be top prospects, some of them, but they are named guys. Um, and, you know, and, and so forth. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens, you know, developing-wise. Now, we all know how prospects develop. You know, Gary Sanchez was this can't-miss catcher, and he's kind of faded away a little bit um, in regards to that. Yeah. So hopefully he continues going in the upward path to being a, a, a top prospect and a top stud for us down the road, and that will make a decision even easier for us if Judge is constantly injured. Yeah. You know, we'll move on from Judge and, and, and have another face of the franchise. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> I mean, just one thing. Yeah, just definitely got Go ahead, one last thing to say about that, for sure. I mean, the, the, the one thing about Gary Sanchez is, I mean, there's no secret, I'm the youngest in the league. And one of the first prospects I remember being very excited about, one of those prospects that I was like, this guy is going to be the next Derek Cheater, was Gary Sanchez. So, in, re- in that respect, I am very disappointed with how he turned he turned out. And with that relationship, doesn't seem so great right now, but I'm hoping for the best for him. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, that Hicks signing is, is looking a lot better, given that Judge might not be a guarantee. So, yeah, I think what Joe said is, 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 is right on for sure. All right, guys. Well, this might be a cool thing to add in when each time a GM comes on the podcast is just to Absolutely. to find out where their real-life allegiance uh, is and kind of talk a little real baseball for a few minutes. But um, we're going to – we'll move into our SSG universe here. And uh, I want to – for especially just to thank them for their time uh, today um, being on the podcast uh, and also just because it's it's great content to hear – I wanted to give each of uh, Joe and Tom just a chance to talk a little bit about how they see their off season. What are they, what are they excited about what they accomplish? How, what are they looking at, you know, outlook for this coming year and et cetera. So uh, Tom, maybe I'll start with you and your, your New York Yankees. What, how do you, how do you view your off season? What, what kind of things are you looking at um, for the, to look at closely this coming season? So, yeah, so the last time I appeared on uh, one of your podcasts, uh, it was kind of, you know, dull and boring. And that's about the same thing. You know, it's, it's been about the same. So I um, haven't 
been able to do much with respect to free agency moves. I don't think I've, I don't think I've actually signed one free agent this offseason. Um, the majority, uh, I think all of my moves have been uh, trades and call-ups and send-downs and whatnot. But our plan right now is to just wait and see. I mean, we have a couple of prospects in the pipeline that we expect to be uh, regular producers in two years' time. And the goal right now, according to Hal Steinbrenner, um, great guy, uh, according to Hal Steinbrenner, he wants us to win uh, in 2024. And right now, that seems very reasonable given where, we at, where we're at. Me being the uh, perfectionist that I am, I would like to see some improvement, if not uh, you know, exponential improvement from this team. Because last offseason, or coming into this, coming into last season, I expected them to be, you know, in the 65, 70 win range. Obviously, didn't expect to, to make the postseason, but I expected a little bit more. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get that. We only we only won about fifty two games. But this year, it's all about improvement. Whether that means it's ten games or fifteen games, whether that's two points um, increase on a player's average or you know one and a half, any improvement that I see. I'll treat as, you know, we're headed in the right direction. So that's kind of the name of the game for – that's kind of the, you know, the, the mantra for this season for sure for the Yankees. Cool. I think a big – just a quick follow-up question for you. I think a big yeah. – the the line to toe – and I haven't looked deeply into your, your uh, MLB roster right now or your minor league system, but just based on your description of things and, and just the – the season from last year um it's it's a it's a difficult line to toe it's like do you do you kind of go for some more uh, seasoned veterans maybe some guys who uh, have a little bit left in them but are a little bit older and can keep you somewhere near that 500 mark or you know a little or at what point do you just let your young guys play and and then of course the the um the, the, the connected question to that is development. I always wonder about development in, in the OOTP game. And it's like if you take a young guy and you let him play at the big league level, you know, in real life, sometimes that can be a great thing for that for that guy just to get that experience and get those at-bats at the big league level. But I don't know in OOTP if you push a guy too soon, if it can really knock him down. So I think that's, that's probably a tough question that you're going to have to look at is – you know, do you at what point do you pull the trigger on really getting go, bringing your younger guys that you see for the future up to the big league level and, and so on? Yeah, I mean, to that point, I mean, you, you, the, what you were just saying is, is right where we are in the Ron Lowe saga. Um, I didn't anticipate to have him up this season, but there was a part of me that said, you know, a lot of guys do get their cup of tea in the majors um, when they're first starting out, and especially especially if they're heralded as top prospects, which Ron Lowe was. He was a, a second overall pick a, a year a year ago, two years ago, mm-hmm. and I had a high expectations for him. I didn't necessarily think that he was going to be an impact player right away. I mean, obviously, you know, whether it's real life or in computer in, the, in you know a computer situation uh, simulation, there's gonna it's gonna take time for him to develop. So. I was a little bit disappointed with what I saw um, from Lowe, but again, it's one of those situations where he's got the talent. He has the, you know, the, uh, you know, not looking strictly at at the bars. I thought his his, um, you know, his numbers show that that he can produce, um, you know, in a second or maybe potentially first uh, rotation spot. So 
this one, this this season, I kind of see as just you know he's getting his feet wet. Um, and same thing with uh, Israel Avila and uh, Manny Sanchez is pretty much one of those guys that's already established. But Israel Avila for me, I expect him to be uh, a regular producer. So yeah, I mean uh, it's you know the the Ron Lowe stuff I have to kind of wait on. But yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a lot of kind of day by day stuff. Whether I want to, hey, I want to give this guy a shot. Maybe he's you know he's young and he needs he has yet to prove himself. Or I want to give guys you know veteran guys that uh, uh, you know I just want to give them reps so yeah it's a, it's, it's a day-by-day thing and I think this season it's going you're gonna see a lot more of you know manipulation lineup manipulation and rotation manipulation for me um, because I'm just trying to see what works and what doesn't work cool uh, Joe tell us about uh, your offseason with the with the spiders yeah so the biggest problem I had last year was my in the injuries to my starting pitching and I couldn't really in regards, you know, we've, we've talked about money with the Yankees and and same thing with Tom and uh, in our league. I didn't have the money to necessarily go out and get um, guys on the trade market or even the waiver wire to step in and fill in the shoes for my injured starter. So that that really played a toll on um, how I was able to be able to get through the season. And guys like McCullers ended up only having three wins last year. And the year prior to that, he was third in the uh, AL Cy Young race. So that, you know, his lack of production, Sandizella was injured most of the year last year. So that hurt me as well. So my goal, especially this offseason, was to go out and get some arms and um, give myself a backup plan, a cushion, uh, so to say, that to make sure that if guys get injured, I have the ability to do that. And I went out and I, I signed Nate Evaldi on a two-year deal. Um you know, also signed Anthony uh, DiScafani for on a one-year deal, and um, David Price, David Price as well. And the theory, my theory behind the one-year deals is this: is if it doesn't work out for me this year, I'm not obligated to him long term, so I can move on from him. Also, at the trade deadline, it allows me to be a little flexible and put guys on the trade block if someone's looking for uh, an arm down the road to fill in for them. So I was able to get some of these guys on reasonable deals. So this will allow me to um, to tinker in um, spring training and to see who I want to put in for the rotation. Um, Joaquin Baker was a guy that I got in the Rule 5 draft uh, last year who, as of right now, will be penciled in as my number one starter uh, just because I think he has the ability to be a number one starter and has the talent. He is 23 years old and has the stuff to be, as I said earlier, as an ace, so he's going to – Penciled in as my number one starter, and the rest of the rotation. Honestly, even though I have big, you know, contracts into Sandizella and McCullers Jr., are it's all up in the air. Another thing that I invested in, which helped us out last year, was my bullpen. Um, we were ranked fifth in the league with bullpen ERA, and I felt I feel that if my starters are struggling and I got to go to my bullpen early, I want to make sure I have the guys to help keep me in the games. And I signed um, Sean Doolittle on a one-year deal and uh, Calvin Herrera on a one-year deal to help replace um, guys like um, Tyler Clifford and a couple of relievers I moved on from. So pitching-wise, I spent most of my free agent uh, free agency on that. I added uh, Chu in a deal with Arizona, and that will provide me with depth at third base, first base, and uh, catcher. And... Um, I'm also looking at a couple other free agents, but 
time will tell, but we're moving in the right direction. Uh, Kurt Newsom, um, Kurt Newton, or Newsom, sorry, uh, is one of my um, top prospects that I'm going to allow to develop down in Double uh, A and hopefully move him up to Triple A, and he'll be ready um, next year. Um, so baby steps, but we're moving in the right direction, and I've been pleased so far. So we'll see what happens. Great. I, I think one thing that all of the league it will hopefully be uh, keeping an eye on. I know just in the sense of looking at the league as a whole more and more doing these podcasts and just being, being in the league longer, kind of just day by day in this off season, the, the nature of the once a day SIM uh, just being able to kind of spend a bit of time sorting through things, ton of one year deals that went out in free agency. And it'll be very, It'll be very interesting to kind of almost rank these and see who, you know, maybe who got the the top five or top ten best one year deals because there's one year deals flying off the table to multiple free agents. I mean, I want to say I've seen fifteen or twenty, maybe even more one year deals, and I'm kind of like you. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think there's really any such thing as a bad one year deal. We we did one with uh, reliever Ramirez, and um, you know, you mentioned some of yours. We had a of course, the Giants had David Price. He was really good in the second half after a, kind of a, an uneven uh, first half. But, um, yeah, so it sound, sounds great uh, in terms of uh, shoring up that pitching staff. And, yeah, Ch- was it Chen, I think, he, or the the guy you picked uh, up from Diamondbacks? Well, Chu. Yeah, yeah, I remember looking at I remember looking at him a little bit as well, and he's he's an interesting player. Yeah, he can do a lot and has a pretty good bat. So, um. yeah, you know what happened was uh, Connor Gregor, who I traded, uh, got from uh, Tom and the Yankees, got injured for two months, and again financially, which I wasn't able to go out and sign a uh, third baseman or in a first baseman to help me out. Wise, I was kind of relying a lot on my my minor league guys that weren't ready yet. So that kind of hurt me a little bit. So in my head, I, I figured let's get some depth. I knew the market for certain third basemen were going to be through the roof. Uh, example is Davidson, I think signed a seven million dollar uh, a year deal with the um, the Brewers. So yeah. I knew money wise to get that depth was going to hurt me. So once he got on the trade market from Arizona, I I kind of reached out to the GM. And we went back and forth, and it took a little while, but we were able to get the deal done. Yeah, well. All right, guys. Well, let's uh, start moving into the main uh, topic of today's episode here. We're going to look at uh, SSG third baseman. And, um, oh, no, you know what? Before we get to that, I actually meant, I'm sorry, I, w- I wanted to talk about, and we can just be brief on this, but Joe wanted to just uh, thank you for the idea, the concept for the Twitter page for the league. And I know guys have been sending you uh, a lot of different updates and rumors and just great stuff, man. And I mean, maybe just tell, tell the league or tell, tell us about um, where, like, what was the impetus behind the idea and what maybe, what types of things do you maybe see being able to accomplish with it in in the future here once the season starts? Yeah. So real quick. So uh, we talked about this right uh, right before, just as Tom was getting on there. Yeah. The last 48 hours in the sports world, and, and Tom can verify this, have been unreal on Twitter between the Nolan Aaron deal. Yeah. No one, and then last night, out of nowhere, Matt Stafford gets moved to 
LA. LA, yeah. So the whole concept of this was to keep the momentum going in regards to communicating through the website and communicating between owners, uh, between each other and so forth. And it kind of the wheel got started going last week when I was sitting reading everyone's conversations about what's going on in regards to outside the game and, and how they they want ideas how to communicate. And this is another way for us to spread the news around about our league, but also to have GMs communicate with another GM. So, for yeah. example, if Tom's looking to to move Kyle Seeger, I know this is the joke in our uh, <laughs> let's go, in our, baby, in our in our group. But you know, he sends me a message. Yankees are still looking to trade Kyle Seeger, and will get you know take a bag of balls from whatever it is. And I would just go on the Twitter account. I would post it out. And, um, you know, let people, let the world see what's going on in our league and, yeah. and allow people to see it. So, for example, if I'm at work and I check my phone, the Discord channel real quick, and I see there's a tweet out there by the Yankee management that they're looking for to, to make a move, I might be interested in them. Let me reach out to Tom real quick and then start a conversation. Um, it also allows owners that might not be in regards to want to sit at a computer or have the time to sit at a computer at the moment to communicate with me and to say, Hey, listen, this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a center fielder. Can you send it out there? So it opened up the line of communications. And I think it kind of promotes a league in another way as well. Well, I totally agree. And I look forward to seeing uh, how it's going to evolve in the future. I think it's, it's great. So if anybody somehow doesn't know what we're talking about, just make sure um, there's a few different ways to, to see the, the links on the discord and then just if you have a twitter account um follow the the account what's the name of the the twitter account if you want somebody the twitter, hasn't the found twitter it account yet? Is, the whole it is ssg baseball rumors slash news uh and the handle is at rumor rumors ssg at rumors ssg okay so any of our GMs who have not yet uh, followed uh, that on Twitter, make sure you get on that. It's uh, it's awesome. So, all right, now we will go ahead and um, get to our third baseman, and I uh, we'll just jump right into it. Joe, uh, why don't you? So, with each of these guys, uh, the idea is that um, you know we we don't need to necessarily go into deep deep detail, but a little bit of rationale. Um, as to, you know, why you placed him there and feel free to share whatever thoughts you have. So, Joe, number five, uh, we'll, we're going to start with the big leaguers and then we'll do the minor, uh, the prospects uh, after. So, big leagues, uh, number five, who, who'd you have? So, real quick, before I yeah. get in um, into number five, there was some actually interesting facts that I, looked, I found out while doing my research. And the first thing is, four out of our five top third basemen are 30 years or younger. Mm. So the youth at the hot corner is there. Yeah. Interesting. And, and another one, there's only one third baseman who's not signed past 2026 as well. Who's not signed past two. Okay. So these guys are all locked in. Yeah. So four of them, four of them have contracts signed through 2026 or, or beyond. But, um, no, Number five is um, from the New York Mets, Brett uh, Lowry. Is that how you say his last name? Yeah, I think, yeah. Lowry, Lowry. Lowry. Yeah, Lowry. (laughs) Um, So the way I compared all these guys is I took their totals over the last three seasons. And um, the reason why Brett is number five, in my opinion, is based upon his 
really his uh, his RBIs, which he's you know had 278 over the last three seasons, and um, run producing, he's only scored about 235 runs. He's played over 466 games and hit a combined 94 home runs over the last um, three seasons. But again, his age and his defensibility um, put him in an area where I think there are four other guys better of him. So that's why he ranks at number five. Cool. So, Tom, uh, the reminder we talked about beforehand. So if Brett's on your list, Brett Lowry, feel free to mention that, but don't don't let us know uh, where he is on your list. But uh, you're number five, Tom. My number five was Yoan Moncada. Um, and, yes, it was tough. So Brett Lowry was on my list. Um, and they, you know, I had a, a back and forth. I was, you know, Laurie, like like Joe, I don't think Joe mentioned it, but he's very good defensively. And, and for me, you know, aside from hitting, which as a Yankee fan I love and I grew up to love, Defense wins championships, and and I think that the Mets, um, you know, if they can put together a pretty solid team in the infield, then you know I think Brett Lowry would be a big piece of that. Um, and it, it's Moncada, especially. I mean, Moncada, like, I'll I'll say a few things about him. I mean, his bat, obviously. I think he's on a pretty good deal right now. Um, you know, those are just two things that I I that caught my attention. Mostly, I looked at you know offensive stats um, and. Moncada kind of stood out to me for sure. Yeah. Um, so then we'll stay with you then, Tom, for we'll kind of do a little snake uh, snake draft type situation. for your. So then why don't you go ahead and share your number four then, Tom, for us. So my number four was Brett Lowry. Okay. And, yeah, yeah I mean, like 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 Joe said, Joe, Joe pretty much hit on it. Like the RBIs are, are great. Um, like I said, that defense was the one thing that caught my eye. And I'll be in the, um, you know, the ones that just missed were kind of on, for me were kind of on the same on the same deal. Um, I don't know if you wanted to get into the just missed yet um, or anything, but uh, you can I, go ahead and you can go ahead and name a few that. Or, well, you know what? Let's wait because then maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll see if they guys who are listening might wonder yet still if they're if their player made it in. Yeah, so we'll wait. Yeah, so right now, yeah, just uh, um, uh, yeah, Moncada and then um, Laurie are my five and then four. All right, and uh, so Joe, you're you're number four. Uh, my number four is Manny Machado, and um, I know the game ranks him at number two, but Manny Machado, the biggest problem with Manny right now is his injuries. Um, he's only played in over three years, 385 games. He, he's very good defensively, but in terms of my rankings with other guys, he's only produced 85 home runs, and you know he's only scored 234 runs. And I'm going to be honest, he was close to being my number five, but his glove put him ahead of Brett, and so that's why right now currently he's number four. I mean, he means a lot to Washington, and I think he was a big part of their 2017 World Series. But in regards to where he is staying on the field, and it has it has hurt Washington down the road, but Pat's done a great job keeping that team afloat and, keep, and putting him in the playoffs while he's injured. Yeah, that Washington team has a lot of firepower. Uh, I was looking sure. looking at them a little bit, but uh, all right, Joe. So uh, yeah, so I guess we're to your number three, Joe. Go ahead. Yeah, my um, number three is um, the newly signed San Francisco third baseman Nolan Arenado. <laughs> and numbers wise, you know, he's hit eighty nine home runs, three hundred thirty four RBIs, and scored over three hundred 
um, 11 runs, and he's played 473 games, so he's out there every day. And his glove, his zone rating is a plus uh, 11.9. It's just, again, the Colorado effect. What's going to happen when he goes to Colorado? Is he going to be able not, – not when he leaves Colorado. Is yeah. he going to be able to produce in San Francisco, or is he going to continue to possibly – start struggling outside of uh, the his old ballpark in Colorado. Sure. Um, well, maybe I might have a couple of opinions on that, but I'm going to hold them off. For, <laughs> I'll, I'll hold them off. Uh, I'll hold off for now. Of course, the, those, uh, those opinions apply to uh, SSG and real life. Uh, since the Cardinals, <laughs> we were talking before we started recording about the Cardinals acquiring Arenado, but uh, Tom, why don't you go ahead with your number three? So my number three was Arenado as well. And I, I, you know what? I was, it was tough. Three to one was very tough for me um, because there were a variety of factors. Like I said, I mean, I considered everything. I mean, I, for me, just to have a look in on what I looked at, I looked at war and I looked at on base percentage. I didn't look at the standard stats like, you know, obviously batting average amount of home runs and RBIs are great. But, you know, the real nitty-gritty is the wins above replacement and then those those fielding stats. Because, like I said, I mean, you know, we love to tout offense and we think that offense is, is, is the one thing that's exciting these days and all that stuff. But, you know, what what's in an offense, you know, like – what are you gonna, you know, are you gonna have people to stop those balls? Like, like that's that's my thing. So, for me, Arenado is obviously a great bat, and I think at the hot corner, I think he's that guy that you know for sure he's gonna make those tough plays every time. Um, so that for me was a big thing. I think Arenado, I could have definitely put second, but I think for you know, given who's above him, I think third is a perfect position for him right yeah. now. I think uh, since since both of you have named him, I mean, I, I'll go ahead and just. In terms of the game, I, I, I think it's probably reasonable to expect that his offensive production will dip slightly. I mean, you hope that it doesn't. Um, but, it, you know, the, the idea of he'll, him producing at the exact same level he did in Colorado is just probably not going to happen. But when I, look at, when I looked at going ahead and, and making the commitment to trying to sign him, it wasn't like I felt like he needed to. You know, it was more of those other things, the intangibles being – uh, and he has that Iron Man status in the game, so he's hopefully out there every day playing that great defense. The bat is going to still be above average, even if it's not at Colorado levels. And so, um, yeah, I mean, that was kind of um, the way I see him in the game. And I won't get too much into real life. but uh, <laughs> uh, So I think where are we at? I think, Tom, uh, we're ready for your number two then. So my number two, and like I said, it got very tough. But I ultimately went with Michael Franco, and Michael Franco, Ooh, he is, um, you know, he. I think like I think he's got that bat. I think you know like the the six nineteen slugging percentage. He had sixty home runs last year, um, and for the Phillies, Andrew with the Phillies has done a great job. Um, and I think he is a player that like you know you keep you keep and and you don't want to give him up for even the top prospect in the entire league. Nine ninety two OPS. You know, like I said, a 9.2 war, I mean, it's kind of speaks for itself. And I know I just said, you know, contrary to what I just said, all you know, about the about the defense being more important, I don't think necessarily more important, but, you know, to have 127 RBIs and lead the league, lead the league in, let's see, one, two, three, four, five offensive categories, that's pretty good. So, um, but I, you know, I would keep him at a solid two right about now. All right. 
Joe, number two? Number two is the young uh, young stud out in uh, Seattle and Ryan McMahon. Mm-hmm. And um, I think Tom hit it on the nose. I was torn re- between my top three as well. And everything started falling into place when I did a little more, more research. But in regards to Ryan McMahon, I mean, constantly guy has hit 30-plus home runs in the last um, three seasons. He's out there every day with 100-plus RBIs. And he's played over 475 games. And – I'm a person that is all about staying on the field, going out there and producing on a regular basis. And this is the conversation where we have that, you know, in Seattle, this he's coming down to his last two years um, being under contract. So it, as a future face of the franchise, it's going to be interesting to see what Seattle does with him. I mean, Seattle doesn't have um, too much money involved with a lot of players. The only exception is Kim Fields, but it will be interesting to see what he does. But, as we were talking about, he's out there every day. 475 games over three years is um, is great. His glove, you know, defensively kind of – this person went uh, – uh, my number one went above him because of it. But I think if he continues doing what he what he's going to do, he's going to get himself a nice long-term deal, which will lock him up, I think, for the next 78 years. Well, before we move to our number ones, a sneaky – little acquisition uh, by the Mariners because we're talking about him, of course, with related to McMahon, but sneaky acquisition of Abacel Garcia, uh, I think of the past uh, few days, that was a nice pickup for a guy that had um, 26 homers last year, hit 270, 347 on base. That was, that was a sneaky move. <laughs> sneaky good. I think over, overall in, in that division, um, I think in all of our divisions, but especially in the AL West and the NL West, you have to make, you know, certain moves like that to stay afloat. And, um, you know, Seattle's always done that. Seattle always finds a way to go out there and acquire a player that they need, move some people to get some money off their roster. And it is a sneaky move. And again, the part I like about it is that if it doesn't work out, he's a free agent at the end of the season and they can move on from him. Yeah. Okay. Well, Joe, uh, Number one, who you got? Uh, Mikel Franco. Yeah. And uh, just what he's done in Philadelphia, and, and Tom hit on those, Andrew's done a great job. And I was – him signing uh, Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo <laughs> yeah. really put them as my favorite to win that division. But, again, that's just paper. We all got to play the game to see what happens. But what Franco's done over the last three seasons, uh, 137 home runs – know 352 RBIs and what really got me was his runs of uh over 350 but what really put me over the edge is what he did um two years ago 2019 he played 70 games and hit 33 home runs and um and to do that 70 games is quite very interesting and unique and he's been a big part of the reason why Philadelphia won the World Series a couple years ago and why they're going to continue being contenders for the next couple years yeah, so um, I think we can kind of predict maybe where this is going. But, <laughs> Tom, you're number one then? Yep, my number one is Ryan McMahon. Yeah. <laughs> and, and let me tell you one thing. Along the same vein of Andrew doing a great job in Philadelphia, Damon has been outstanding in, in Seattle. And one of the things, Damon is, for, for me personally, I think he, you know, I think he could – be in the conversation for the World Series next year and definitely the year after. And I think McMahon's a big part of that. Um, and, you know, knowing his de- his commitment and dedication, I think 
if he could, like I said, you know, building around these guys. I mean, you know, this is a guy that you just don't give up. And I think McMahon, you know, he doesn't really he doesn't really flash the pan in, in terms of statistical categories. On base percentage, he led the league. And I think in a couple of um, defensive categories, he led the league in uh, – actually, he led the league in OPS plus um, with 170, which is, which is outstanding. Um, and one of those things that you don't really like – you don't really factor into, he led the league in walks with 111. And mm. I um, – just a quick background, I was never great at baseball, but the one thing that I was good at was not swinging. And that led to a lot of walks and a lot of getting on base. And, you know, if you've seen the movie Moneyball, all you got to do is just get on base and then you take it from there. So that's, you know, that's in itself is very valuable to me. So, but like, you know, this was very tough because you could have gone either way with Franco, McMahon, or even Arenado. Arenado initially was my number one um, just because, you know, the name. And I was like, oh, I have to have Arenado number one. But Franco and McMahon made it difficult. So, yeah, this was this was very difficult. But um, McMahon is my number one. Oh, hard to hard to argue for sure for whether you're the, any of those either of those top two, and I actually I do agree with both of you that putting both McMahon and Franco ahead of of Arenado and you know guys like him and Laurie, uh, but I think great job with the list, guys. Uh, now what we've what we've tend to, what we've had in the other conversations with Paul and the catchers and talked with Phil about the first baseman. We ended up uh, being like you two were fairly, um, fairly close on the big league guys. Even though we might have had a couple of different guys in a different order, uh, there wasn't much, um, wasn't a whole lot of um, complete deviation from each other's list. But with the prospects, is where it really started to get interesting, and we're going to get into that now. I do want to give you a chance, though. Uh, we mentioned if either of you want to go ahead and throw out a a name or two or three of third basemen that just kind of were just outside of the first uh, five for you. Either one of you can jump in. Uh, on that. Go ahead, Joe. My, yeah, my first guy, and I and I think Blake with Arizona has a bright future ahead, is Jeff Young. Yeah. Um, what he's done in two years, you know, again, 51 home runs, 74 RBIs, and scored over 200 runs, is, is a lot to say. They have a lot of prospects. And um, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see if these prospects develop for him. But it, I think Arizona in about a year or two is a team to watch. And the next guy that I had that's down the list ranked is, believe it or not, is Colin Moran out in St. Louis. Mm. Um, it's kind of like a, a not a guy that stands out that would be like a power guy, but just watching what he's done, he's he's had an all base percentage of over. Three four uh, over three thirty the last you know last three years he's put you know some home runs together and some RBIs as well but he's constantly going out there on a regular basis and playing and I think he's an integral part of why St Louis has had success in the NL Central. Yeah. Tom, anybody you want to make sure and mention that just missed out? Sure. So I got a few. I mean, yeah. So Joe uh, had pretty much the same same as me. I had Jeff Young, uh, Colin Moran. I had Chris Bryant. Um, Bryant is one of those names that I, you know, I felt that he was he he was uh, in the question for some of the league the the batting leading categories. Um, I also had uh, a few kind of uh, one one is related to Joe and the other related to me uh, my team, but Glaber Torres. And I'll say this. Torres is is one of those guys that is very different in real life than he is in this league. 
But to me, that doesn't really change much. I think Torres still has that defensive ability. If you can put him, you know, he's, he's listed as a third baseman right now, but he can pretty much play, uh, you know, I'd be confident in his ability to play full, you know, all three positions, shortstop, third base, and second. And and I think personally, and I know Jeff uh, uh, Joe knows this too, that he's definitely a better second baseman. In this game, it seems like he's a third baseman. But, you know, defensively, he's he's great. And I think to have a guy, in, you know, like that, the bat, you know, the bat still has a, a ways, you know, a ways to go. But I think, you know, the, the, the gap power and those numbers seem pretty, pretty promising. The other two that I would consider, and I'm going to warn everyone, this, see this as a warning for everyone in the league, watch out for Israel Avila. Um, the bat is, is there. The fielding work, you know, the fielding needs a little bit of work, but the bat is there. And then um, one that was surprisingly up there in the defensive categories was Kyle Seeger. He wasn't there in the offensive categories, but he did show up um, on the defensive side. Mm-hmm. And for me, it came to me as a as quite the surprise, um, to be honest with you. I didn't have him, you know, I didn't want him to be a regular producer in this league, but he forced his way into the lineup last season. And while it didn't lead a, to a playoff spot, it led to some nice personal um, accolades for the man who's making $19 million a year. So, um, you know what? Good for him. And uh, those are probably my, the ones that I would consider just just missing, but you know, definitely worth consideration. Cool. And and one more guy to him on my list I just saw right now is Kevin Wilson. Yeah, uh, I know Ryan, you traded him yeah. to Oakland, and it made sense for you to trade it. But um, I think you know, new the um, Oakland A's getting Kevin Wilson is moving them in the right direction. I think he'll have. I know the Oakland ballpark is huge, and numbers might home run numbers might go down a little bit, but to fill in an empty space that they had and and trade him. I mean, you had more need for J.D. Martinez than they did. The trading for J.D. Martinez will help them out down the road, and I think it's a good start in the rebuilding process in, uh, in Oakland. Yeah, well, it was a fun – I mean, I've talked about this on a couple podcasts, but I, in the offseason began, I I really did not have any intention to uh, chase Arenado. It just I, I liked Wilson. He – just for some of the reasons you mentioned, he um, – uh, he's a first overall pick in in the SSG league, uh, and so he came with that pedigree. And really, in the second half of uh, 2020, he really started showing signs of of maybe being that kind of that number one overall type of guy. And he he runs well. He's a good defender. I mean, I think he stole like 19 out of 20 bases. Plus, he has a little power. Hit 15 homers, which was his career high. And I mean, still. Not a super young guy. He's I think he's already twenty seven, but only I think with three or maybe four full years in the league. So in that sense, uh, still some room to grow. But yeah, um, we we liked him, but it just once we went ahead and committed to Arenado, it was a it was a redundancy, and yeah, we we flipped it for JD Martinez. Uh, but Wilson, I agree, will be a nice player in this league. Um, well, it's, yeah, it's, go ahead. It's funny how, and I didn't mean to cut you off. So sorry. No, you're good. Um, it's funny. It's funny how when we look at the, and I think Tom maybe could uh, attest to this. When you look at the list, you had your top five guys that, you know, top six in general are, are power hitters, but the rest of the third baseman, in regards to averaging fifteen home runs a year, but their on base percentage is so high. So it's it's starting to see that maybe a trend in this league. The third basements are becoming a two hitter, or possibly even like a seven eight nine hitter, and not necessarily that four five six hitter. 
So it was interesting to see that when I was studying this list to see in what direction third basemen are going from six all the way down. Uh, okay, guys. Well, let's let's go ahead and start getting into our prospect list. We're um, keeping things moving right along here. So, uh, Joe, I guess we'll just stick with you. Would you want to go ahead and give us your number five in terms of uh, prospects? Yeah, my number five is actually on Tom's team, Juan Mendoza, 20-year-old um, third baseman. He was drafted in 2019, first round, first uh, third overall pick. And number-wise, he, he plays out as a 55 with the contact, 60 with the gap power, and 55 with the uh, power. But defensively, he's got an arm rating is 75, and he can play the position. And it's going to be interesting to see where Tom goes and he talked about the future. Um, in the next couple of years, how it plays out with uh, Israeli uh, Oliva and Kyle Seager, but I can see Juan Mendoza being a, a staple at third base for the Yankees and for years to come. Yeah, well, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> so, Tom, I don't know. Obviously, if Mendoza's on your list, you'll we'll wait and maybe let you talk about him uh, when you get to him. But um, what your number five, Tom? My number five was Dylan Veek, actually, um, mm-hmm. and. I think personally, he's the best bat of this bunch. I mean, you could uh, you could make the case for you know some of my top guys, who I won't mention yet. But um, I think Dylan Beek is that guy that could probably you know he could make a difference in in a year or two. And I think the like I think the way Joe's building his team is one of those things that I would never expect. I think you, you say you want to build through the Rule Five Draft. I would never expect for that to work, but it seems like it's going pretty well so far. And um, you know. Veek is that guy that he, to me, I think he could, you know, I think he could crack the roster in a, in a year or two. And if we're talking, you know, I, I base all this on a couple of factors. I base this on their current, you know, their potential and where they currently are at. And then obviously I look at their stats and then where they're expected to be or when they expect to make an impact. And then from there, when, you know, not only do they, when do they expect to crack the roster, but actually be a consistent producer. And I think a lot of these guys for me, Except with the exception of, of of one, are guys that will be in this league in two years' time, and I think Dylan Beek is one of those. Okay, great. Um, I, I might have missed it again. Beek is with which organization? Is that with Cleveland? Yep. He's okay. With the Spiders. All right. Cool. Uh, Case okay, Thompson, your number four. My number four was Steve Sanders of Milwaukee, and same kind of deal. I mean, Milwaukee is not in a position to win. Um, and so, you know, pretty much the same thing with, I would say Joe and I would say uh, me as well. Although Joe could surprise a couple people this year, um, with that team. Uh, but you know, he's a couple of years out, but Milwaukee is building something special there. And, and Ben, who had just recently uh, stepped down, he left that team in a really good position. Sanders is one of those guys that I think could be uh, a regular producer by 2023, maybe 2024. Is he's a you know he's considered uh, uh, a regular everyday guy. Um, so that's that's number four on my list. All right, cool. Joe, you're number four. Uh, my number four are actually two guys, but with the same organization, and I'll explain okay. why. Um, okay. <laughs> from Detroit, Al uh, uh, Ol Mullen and Jim Tate, and the reason being is. Detroit's current third baseman is Joey Gallo, um, and he's a free agent at the end of this year. So in regards to what Detroit does, um, it's kind of relying on these two guys to produce in the minor league system. If Detroit wants to extend Gallo, 
if they want to go out and trade for another third baseman or possibly use these two guys. Um, Armando always finds a way. I mean, Alan Mullen is uh, – he signed him as a minor league free agent, and he's ranked in the top uh, 20 for third base, you know, as prospects. And he drafted Jim Tate in the second round. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens, what the Detroit third base uh, position is going to look like in the next couple of years. Uh, and then so we'll stay with you for your number three. Uh, Gilbert Lara from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, they just posted a, an article was just posted how Gilbert, the plan is to get him to start at third base this year. Now, Atlanta traded me Dylan Veek, so they decided to go with Gilbert uh, as their future third baseman. Um, he was traded in 2016 from the San Francisco Giants in a deal for Drew Pomerantz. So um, they're relying heavily on him to be the future third baseman last year in double A in 21 home runs, 64 BI. So if he comes up and produces that, um, it's going to be, you know, a good future for him. And defensively he rates out at 65. So I know the ratings, you know, we're not always supposed to go by what the ratings are. Sometimes guys have great years uh, against what the ratings say, but defensively he um, can hold down the hot corner for Atlanta. He's uh, one of those interesting guys. You always wonder which way it's going to go rating wise in terms of, OSA has him at 65 for power potential, which is, you know, that's big time power when you get 65 and above. But then the 35 on avoid Ks uh, and 45 with his eye. So, yeah, you always wonder, what is that going to be a guy who is going to kind of overcome that uh, K rate and still be able to produce big numbers? Or is it going to be more of a guy who might only hit near 200, 220, and have that occasional power but not necessarily be a premier run producer. I I feel like those ratings kind of fall where it can go either way, but, you know, we shall see. <laughs> um, uh, Joe, so, I'm sorry, uh, Tom, we're to your number three, I think. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, my number three was Juan Mendoza. This is very selfish of me, but, no, no. <laughs> I mean – a lefty bat at Yankee Stadium, a lefty power bat at Yankee Stadium, sign me up. He needs to work on his double plays, but he has a cannon at third base. And I think that cannon is personally, and I don't want to toot my own, own horn, but I, or his own horn, but I think he could be the uh, uh, very much like an Arenado with respect that from any distance, he could pretty much nail the runner at first base. Um, he's still very young, and that's one of those things that, you don't like to be so hyped up over a guy that's 19, 20 years old. And those guys that initially come out as um, fines from from the Dominican and Cuba and, and international signings, yeah, their, their their numbers look great in that in that they have 60s and 70s in the ratings. But it really matters about how you know it really matters what they can do on the field. And right now, Mendoza's fielding percentage last year was 978 and five uh, 550 innings. He had a run, uh, range factor of 284, tied fourth in assists in 2020, just to name a few stats. I mean, mm-hmm. it looks good for the kid, but it's going to take a while. And I am very, I'm, I'm going to be very patient because, like Joe said, the plan as of now is to stick Kyle Seeger at third until his contract runs out. Um, if Avila turns out to be a great defensively, he might have a shot at third base, but most likely he'll be a first baseman or DH. Um, and if Mendoza makes his way to the club in the next two years, Avila will most likely be a, per, a permanent DH and maybe split time with Josh Bell at first. Um, but I think 
I think Mendoza, and he was uh, initially a, a trade asset or someone that we were shopping around. But at this point, you know, barring something crazy, I think he's going to be a, a part of the Yankees' long-term plans. Uh, we'll stay with you for number two. Sure. So my number two, it was tough, and I think I'm going to have to go with a tie here. It was Gilbert Lara of, of Atlanta okay. and Gabriel Corcoran of Miami. Gabriel Corcoran, just one thing to say, I think Vancouver, he'll be called Vancouver. Or Vancouver, <laughs> Vancouver. My, my, my apologies to Nate um, and that Canadian blood. Um, I think, you know, I think he, barring anything that, you know, any decision that Nate makes, I think it could be a, a call up this year. And especially if, if, if Vancouver ends up being in a good position that they think they could, you know, squeeze it to the wild card or, or make a playoff spot. He's like I said. I I the, the one thing that I like to see is is this guy going to make an impact in at least two years? And if not, you know, do this. Do the ratings show that he's going to be an impact player in let's say four years? Corcoran, despite the numbers that you might see, I think he you know for the for Vancouver, especially where they're at right now, he could be a um, an everyday. I know I keep saying this, but you know, I that's my metric. I think he could produce next year. And and for that reason, he's my number two. Lara, of course, I think, you know, the numbers speak for itself. 2021, they say that, you know, he's eligible or he's, he's expected to, uh, his ETAs in 2021. I think it's more 2022. He'll become a regular producer. That bat is a little bit concerning. The strikeout numbers are obviously very concerning, but the in defensive ratings are great, and I think you know he's he's uh, listed as being able to play first, second, third, and short. I think you keep him at second and third, maybe short if he has the arm for it. It looks like he does, and if he can play short, you know those are considered. You know, I guess you could say those guys are kind of like the quarterback of the infield. I think you know it's probably best to keep him at third, but to have him at short or to, for him to be able to play short makes it all makes him all the more valuable. So that's why it was tough um, to choose between Lara and um, who else was it? Lara and Corbin. Corbin, yeah. Yep. All right. Joe, your number two. My number two is uh, Gabe Corbin, yeah. just like Tom. Um, the biggest thing that's, you know, sticks out to me with him is his ratings and, and um, his defensive ability. Uh, last year in, in single A, he um, hit 25 home, you know, 25 home runs. And 59 RBIs and got promoted, um, according to our game, to double A this year. The, the one question I have, and I know Nate went out there, uh, not question, but one thing I was looking at, Nate went out there and signed some pitchers such as Walker, Verlander, Archer, and Jansen to compete in the AL West. It's corporate's on his 40 man roster, and right now he's kind of, I don't want to say Western way, but his, his service time is ticking. He's got two years left of guaranteed minor league contract, and then all of a sudden he hits the arbitration. So it's going to be interesting to see if Nate lets him sit in the minor leagues, let him develop another year or two, and then get you know three, possibly four years out of him, or does he take you know see what he does in Double A, and if he's succeeding, does he pull the trigger and bring up now to get the most out of him? But um, you know he's a high prospect third base, and I, I see a lot of potential out of, uh, out of uh, Gabe uh, Corbin down the road. That is a very interesting question because his ratings are actually all, this is OSA, but they're all pretty close to his potential, if not already at potential, except the avoid Ks. So, yeah, you wonder if he comes up too early and is just, you know, has a skyrocketing K rate and, 
you know, does that, does that somehow affect his overall, um, you know, ability and morale. And I don't, you know, the, the whole engine of what goes into a player, I think none of us really completely know, but um, right. So, I mean, do you let him kind of just mash at AAA and continue to develop some of those areas where he's still not quite up to his potential, or do you just let it ride and let him play? It's, it's, that's a tough one because he's, like I said, he's pretty, pretty close with his potential ratings in a, in a few different areas, but um, yeah. So uh, well, yeah, so, Joe, I guess we're to your number one. My number one is uh, Ernie Jones out in Colorado. Um, all eyes will be on uh, Rocky Nation uh, in real life and in uh, SSG in regards to how that hole is going to be filled up in third base. And um, Ernie Jones has got the, the the nod to fill in. He raids out at a 60-60-60. And um, – Defensively, he's at a rating of uh, 55, but his numbers he did at AAA were, you know, hit 314 with 21 home runs and 95 RBIs, scored 90 runs. So a lot's going to be on his shoulders. And I think Phil over in Colorado will be very happy if he can produce the same way he did in AAA. Um, it's interesting, you know, I think in regards to the lineup that Colorado has, it's going to be completely different with uh, Arenado and um, Dickerson gone. Well, Colorado went out and signed uh, Simmons to fill in uh, shortstop. And now uh, Ernie Jones has the uh, chance to be the next star third baseman out in Colorado. It'll be interesting to see what they do there because they do also have Profar still. And then they have Forrest Wall, I believe. So it's a, I think he's got one too many infielders when you count him in. But uh, I'm sure Phil will – we got the DH, and I'm sure Phil will figure out a way to sort all that out. Um, Tom, you're number one. My number one, and this is pretty pretty contrary, uh, pretty you know contrasting actually to um, to Joe's list, but I went with Al Mullen as my number one, and I'm not sure where the Tigers are with respect to their direction um, as a team. I mean, I know they're pretty good, but uh, you know, I don't know necessarily if they can be con- you know in the conversation for uh, a you know a playoff berth, not even playoff berth, but a a deep World Series run next year. But O'Mullen is a, a power and speed guy. And I don't know what it is, but those guys appeal to me because, you know, to have the ability to hit the ball far and also to run, it, it, it's very effective in situations where you have bigger outfields and situations where home runs are sometimes doubles and maybe even triples. And if you can have just a little bit more speed to be able to make what would normally be singles to guys like, let's say, uh, David Ortiz or, or you know, uh, Miguel Cabrera in a real life comparison, Alo Mullen's going to be able to squeeze that to, to let's, you know, to, to doubles and triples. I think, you know, that alone plus the power numbers were things that really stuck uh, stuck out for me. The infield arm is obviously great. Turning double plays, you would obviously like that to be a lot bigger um, as a guy at third base because you know third base a ground ball to third base with two two men on runner at first and second. Obviously, it's a double play opportunity, and you would hope to at least get the you know the go ahead runner in that situation. So you hope with the with the higher ratings in infield range error and arm that alone can suffice and and make up for his inability to turn double plays but like i said the speed ratings his base running and stealing are uh, you know upper echelon and one of the top in the you know i guess of these prospects in this prospect pool and the power like i said it speaks for itself so you know 
that that combination for me is something that I've always admired, and I think if implemented well, and again, if the, if the Tigers can can you know be in a good position, I think that he'll be a, he'll be a huge part of that. Yeah, interesting, uh, interesting guy. Definitely, the ratings are especially the potential ratings. I mean, it's one of the few guys I've seen with a seventy. This is OSA, but seventy five uh, potential on power. But, uh, yeah, the numbers, the minor league numbers haven't quite really jumped off the page yet. And he's 24, so – but uh, there's still a lot to like there. I mean, especially when you look at that, the potential bars um, could really – everything you said is, uh, could be true. All right, guys, so we've hit upon our top uh, five ma- major league third baseman within the SSG universe. And then also now our top five prospects each as usual, as we've seen, it's been pretty common. The prospect list tends to be a little bit more of a fluctuation. Although you guys did have a few common uh, guys. Uh, I am, we are at about uh, almost to 70 minutes. And that's generally about the time that I try to keep them and not go too far over. But uh, just want to, I don't know, um, didn't really hit you with this ahead of time, so put you on the spot a little bit, but just any any um, thoughts that you would want to share with the league with regard to, um, you know, the SSG season coming up or any of the different content stuff that's happening or I don't know, really anything at all under the sun, if you'd like to um, – to give a thought on it, I want to give you that opportunity before we finish up. So I guess to either of you or both of you. Go ahead, John. Good? You, you, uh, you can go first. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, um, you know what? Personally, I mean, for me, I love that Twitter account. I was thinking about doing something similar. And obviously, you know, I, I'm a student right now. So as much as I like to say I want to, I want to do all these different things. It's it's a lot of time constraining, and I know for teachers and you know half the league are teachers, so it's it's no different. Yeah. So, um, but Joe, I, I props to you for being able to you know take the time out of your day, and you too, Ryan. I mean, to be able to produce content for this league, it's it's not something that we ask, or I mean, it's not something that's mandatory. But you guys take time out of your teaching schedules, and believe me, my my sister's a teacher; she teaches. Uh, kindergartners, so I understand what you guys are going through and how much time you have to devote to your to your profession. So I'd just like to say, you know, props to you guys to be able to, for you know being able to do that. First of all, um, and I think the you know the content creation in general just is great for the league. And I think if we can get not just you know. Right now, I think there we're at a point where there's obviously we have our regulars being contributing in the in the Discord and on these podcasts, but you know. Simply, I would just like everyone to, you know, I know it's a lot to ask, but I would love to see at least, you know, a couple of words from each GM just about their, uh, you know, about their philosophy or about how they're, you know, what their thinking is and all that stuff. If we can add that, I think it would just make the league that much better. Not that the league is are, as, isn't already great. I think where we are right now, we have a lot of um, potential for great content creation. I mean, Ryan's pretty much taking – taking the ball and run with it. I mean, Joe, you have your, your Twitter account and, and you seem to be pretty committed to that. So, so that alone, those two things alone are great. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I would just love to see more. And this is on me as well. I would love to see just, even if it's 
a paragraph of of what you're doing this week in, on your team. I would love to see it from a more a wider variety of GMs for sure. But um, I mean, a few things just about my team. I mean, we're looking to compete, and whatever happens, happens. <laughs> Great, Joe. Anything? Yeah. You know, I'm listen. I appreciate the props, Tom and, and Ryan, with this this podcast. It's it's great listening to, especially on uh, drives to games and, <laughs> and practices and stuff. Um, you know, in regards to contact, anyone reach out to me. I'm I'm always willing to post. I'm always you know willing to go the uh, the next step. I've had uh, about seven eight GMs reach out to me. You know, and um, I take their comments. I just add a little title to it and, uh, and post it. So I'm willing to do whatever it takes. But like I said, if you send something to me, I will make sure I get it up in, you know, 12 to 24 hours. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to the new divisions with Houston moving over back to the central, uh, Vancouver in their new home in the West and the pirates in the, uh, in the NL, uh, NL East. It'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. And I think honestly, all season wise, we've had a, a great run at uh, GMs and owners committed to make their teams better. And I think this is what pushes the league to be better. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the new season. I think everyone's ready for the season to begin and, um, you know, take its course and can't wait for pitchers and catchers in the next 15 to 20 days. That's right. Yeah. Well, I think um, just, I guess as a final word, um, I think that the unique nature of the in real life once a day sim um, it, it really, I mean, a lot of OTP leagues really move much quicker and it's, it's more difficult, of course, in those cases to try to keep up with content and so on. But I think the nature of our league, um, being the once one day in real life, one day sim, it really does lend itself to the ability to kind of keep that content, uh, coming. And I think, I really hope that, uh, the league continues the trend that, that has been picking up a lot lately. Uh, it just really makes the, it's already enjoyable. I mean, I already enjoyed thinking about my team and working through uh, uh, all the different aspects of the game, but then to have sort of that extra element is for me, I don't know, other people may view it differently and that's completely fine, of course. But for me, it just adds a lot to the whole overall experience of being in an online league for, for the game. So uh, guys, I'm going to bring things to a close here, uh, for everyone listening, uh, appreciate you taking the time. I always mention this, but feel free uh, when it comes to podcasts for me, listen in chunks, you're not going to, uh, hurt my feelings. You know, if it's an hour and 15 straight is maybe difficult to fit into your day, but 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there, uh, the ride, like you said, the ride into work, uh, please uh, subscribe and makes it easier because usually you'll get a notification on that and we'll have to move along to short stops in the next podcast and then on into the outfield and pitching. So we still have plenty of these positional podcasts to come for the SSG today uh, concept and for uh, the long gone podcast, I'm going to sign off. Thank you guys. Appreciate your time and thank you for listening.